Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. Now, many of us will agree that whether you're running a business or in a leadership position, you will face many challenges. There's the complexity of global economic pressure, the COVID-19 pandemic, high competition, personal circumstances, and just so much more. But there are two key elements that leaders and organizations can hold on to during this time, and these are passion and persistence. Today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto, and I are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Tony T. Domenico, OAM recipient, successful business leader, board chair, and member across multiple businesses and not-for-profit bodies. Today, Tony will share with us his views on keeping your passion and persistence for business and people alive. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks, Natalie. Good to be with you. Hello, Tony. Welcome and thanks for your time today. G'day, Gus. A pleasure, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah. Well, that was, it's not in person. It's on, a, it's on a screen, but it's always good to see your smiling face. Yeah, well done. Thank you, Tony. Tony, we, uh, we begin this show each week asking our guests two fun questions. So we have prepared your two fun questions for this week. And the first one we'd love to ask is, other than Italian and Australian food, what would be your favourite food? Well, I was, I was going to say that the question's an interesting one because I think, to me, there's only one uh, type of food, and that's Italian food, and then every, everything else steams from that. And, I mean, I, I've often said there are two, <laughs> two, two types of people. There's uh, Italians and then there's the, the ones that want to be. So, uh, no, but sincerely, love Italian food, obviously. Uh, love Australian food. I mean, the wonderful produce we've got in Australia is second to none. And, to me, good food is... Uh, cooked with good produce and cooked simply and not too many uh, wishy-washy sauces. So uh, I'm not having a go at my French colleagues, but, uh, you know, Italian food uh, is, is, the, is the king or queen. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. And what about who is your favourite sports team? Do you have a favourite sports team? Uh, Gus, Gus will recall that uh, from time to time I let people know that I've got a passion for the Collingwood Football Club and uh, always have and always will. And uh, so I'd have to say Collingwood. Yeah. Oh, my God, Nat. If I can just add, uh, Tony is not only a passionate Collingwood supporter, uh, he is so passionate that he never, ever want to watch a live uh, match because he just can't do it. Like, he, he just... Uh, he just so passionate about the game. He left the game before the game finished because he don't want to see the team having a problem. <laughs> so, no, so, G- G- I mean, Gus is right. We, we'd go to the MCG sometimes in a in a, in a private box. So it's you know you, you'd think uh, how good is this? And at halftime, I'd say, Gus, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going home, and I'd catch a tram or we'll walk walk to the train station or the tram stop and go home, hoping that by the time I got home, they, they'd won the game. 
uh, and usually they did in those in those years. And it was a, it was a great pleasure to then watch the replay, knowing that you've won the football game, uh, and not go through the trauma of uh, and the heart pumping of uh, watching them lose. Perhaps so. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's something that's an idiosyncrasy of mine. I I can't bear to watch a live game of footy of Collingwood's play. Oh, that's amazing! Have you ever actually watched a full live game of theirs ever? Uh, I think I have, but that was on the insistence once of my son who actually sat me down and put his hands on the shoulder and said, you're not going anywhere. Uh, we've got these tickets. You're going to stay here and watch it. Uh, yep. Oh, that's great. Passion at its finest, which is no the topic way. of um, this leader talk. So we'll get more into that. But before we do, can we ask you, can you share a bit more about yourself? Can you tell us about yourself and your career? Well, I'm... Uh... I keep saying I'm, I'm a five foot two inch tall uh, Egyptian born Sicilian Australian who's had a career spanning a number of years in politics, uh, trade diplomacy, uh, industry representation, company director, uh, Collingwood supporter. Uh, what else? Jeepers. That, that's, that's about it. So, yeah, so I was born in Egypt uh, 70 years ago now. Uh, believe it or not, I know I don't look 70, but I am. Um, that's me having a dig at myself, by the way. Uh, I started off as a career as an undercover customs officer, then on to the chief of staff of the Victorian government minister to uh, working in Canberra for a number of years before I became a politician following the frontal lobotomy. Uh, after politics, I became a trade diplomat, then back to Australia. I worked in Milan for, for three years back to Australia, where I took over an organisation called UDIA, which is where I met Gus. Uh, from there, uh, I'm now a professional company director on a number of boards uh, and charities and talking to you, and it's a, it's a great pleasure, as I said, to, to you and your viewers and listeners. Hey, Tony, can I, can I just uh, add something? You know, you, <laughs> it's funny when you introduce yourself, you even descriptively mention uh, how tall you are. And I, I never forget uh, every time you uh, speak on a big event in front of 500 people, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of getting, uh, you know, too much worry about what people think and, you know, how people view you because of how tall you are, uh, people love you because you always start on every, uh, every event with... Uh, uh, with a joke, uh, do you mind to just say what you normally say when you go walk to the to the front of the audience, standing on the lantern? And uh, well, Natalie, Gus, Gus is right. I can recall that uh, many many years ago, the the the, the rostrums that uh, people provided when you booked a a, a place to hold an event. Uh, as I said, I'm five foot two, and usually the rostrum came up to my eyebrows. So I'd, I'd realised then that I'd needed a box to stand on. Before I, before I stood on the box the first time, I got up there and tapped the microphone and said, can you hear me? And then the next question I'd ask is, can you see me? And, of course, uh, it, it reflects the fact that reality is that, listen, I'm a, I'm a little bloke, but secondly, you automatically gain the attention of your crowd uh, who'd automatically just keep quiet and start laughing, which which meant that I could have a go at some people in the audience because I'm prepared to have a go at myself and then uh, people shouldn't be concerned if I had a go at them. So, yes, it's something that uh, was one of my trademarks. Probably still is, actually, if I need to speak it in a public uh, forum again. 
Well, but I think the things that uh, I learned, uh, Ned, about, about that is, you know, cut the joke aside. And I think many people uh, able to learn from this is we all come with our own belief whether certain things become a weakness or a strength, uh, whether it's physical or non-physical. But Tony used that as his strength. People do not see him differently. People actually love him of who he is because he's able to find the fun out of the situation himself. So people do not uh, see him differently. You know, Tony in front of us is a fun Tony. And I think that's one thing I learned for the almost 20 years knowing you, Tony. Yeah, and it's it's also, seriously, it's also about making people feel around you feel comfortable uh, and you've got to use whatever tool you've got in your repertoire to make sure that happens. I mean, for example, if you're a small business, you're a cafe, restaurant owner, uh, you've got to look after the people that are there to eat and drink with you because, A, they're going to come back again if they're treated right. And if you don't treat them right, well, obviously they're not going to come back again. You're going to lose money. So it's as uh, it's as simple as that. And I've always believed in the concept of uh, you know the old kiss principle: keep it simple, stupid, because it's uh, usually works. Usually does. Yeah, it's a great message. And Gus, you also have a really interesting story about how you met Tony. Yeah. Did you share yeah. that? Yeah, this story is very close to me. Uh, you know, obviously uh, I'm a migrant. I came to this country in 1990, and uh, you know, throughout my journey, I'm, I'm an engineer. Uh, and when I start my career in the building industry, obviously, I have no contacts, you know, let alone I know what's a building industry. And this is in year 2000. And uh, I remember uh, we went to um, Queensland for a UDIA, uh, Urban Development Institute of Australia conference, where I think, I don't know, Tony, a thousand people, uh, delegates from different states came. And I was a young sales representative for a company named James Hardy Australia. Uh, zero contact, do not know, didn't know anyone. And I tried to introduce myself to different people. No one want to talk to me. Who wants to talk to a young salesman uh, uh, back then? But then there's this guy, Tony, walk around and I saw him and I said to myself, who's this guy? He always smiling. So I go to him and I said, hey, Tony, I'm Gus from James Hardy. Um, I'm new. I do not know anyone. Uh, do you mind if I introduce myself to you? And instead of introducing me and him, he said, you do not know anyone? Let's walk with me. I introduce you to a thousand people. And then the story goes to the extent I will never forget this. He invited me to a regular lunch, which is a monthly lunch with a, a group of Italian developers uh, named Sultanas. And I remember when he asked me to join, I said, but Tony, all these managing director from a big development company are all Italian and you are Italian. Uh, I'm not Italian. And Tony said to me, I guess, um, do you like pasta? And I said, oh, I love pasta. Well, that's mean you are actually Italians, so you can come here. And this, the, the, the things that interest me, and I tell this story to many people, it's not so much about the fact that Tony invited me to that forum. Okay, that's nice. Thank you so much. But how a person helps someone that have no benefit whatsoever to him back then? If everyone do this, 
we will live in a better world. If everyone helping a small business by introducing one to another, if everyone donating their time, their expertise, like what he's doing, you will see a more successful outcome of the community. And I, I will never stop telling this story because uh, I'm the only Indonesian Italian on the table eating pasta. <laughs> Thank and, you so and, much. And, and let me tell you, is it is it great? I mean, how could you not help this bloke? I mean, he's a he's a passionate Indonesian Italian, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's very it's very easy to love Gus because he's a he's he's a lovable human being. But no, sincerely, uh, and by the way, I must tell the people watching this: it's the Sultanas, not the Sopranos, just to get it straight. So now don't uh, don't misunderstand what Gus said. It was called the as a group of Italian developers. But no, yes, it, it was, uh, again, it, it proves to me that it's all about treating people, uh, making people feel important. There's, there's, if there's one thing I can say to anyone in small business, big business, whatever business you're in, politics, anything, make the people around you feel important because if you've got the passion as well, you make the people around you feel important, make sure you get people around you that are better at things that you're not good at. Uh, again, Keep it simple, but any business, big or small, dependent on the people involved in that business. And if some of that passion that uh, Gus has and some people say I have can rub off on the people around you, by God, it, it, great, it makes a great, a, a great team. I had a – Gus will relate to this. My UDIA office in St Kilda Road had about eight people working for me. We used to have a box of toys for kids because some of the people – weren't prepared to come to work because of babysitting problems. We had kid, little kids sitting on the floor playing with toys in our office in the city. Uh, they're the sorts of things that made people feel comfortable. When people actually enjoy coming to work, doing the work that they do, by God, it's great guns. So that whether it's, as I said, whether it's in a cafe or a restaurant or any small business, if you've got satisfaction from your workforce and satisfaction from you because you're able to put, put forward some of that passion to your workforce. My God, you're going to cook with uh, cook with gas, by God. Oh, that's great. And we can clearly tell you're a very passionate leader. And staying on this topic of passion, I wanted to ask you, wh why are you so passionate about uh, people? Why is it such an important well, thing that everyone should really look at? It, whether whether you're a provider or a customer or a member of the community or whatever, you're you're a person. So people are just uh, people is why we exist, for heaven's sake. You know. So make make classic example. I, I was uh, at a UDIA function again with a lady who's now a member of parliament. I I won't I won't mention who she is, and we were on the dance floor of all things. And she said, oh, she said, you know, you've got this incredible ability of making the person whom you're speaking to feel as if they're the most important person in the room. And I thought, my God, that's a, it's a bit philosophical, that sort of statement. I'm just being me. So the first thing I've got to say, just be yourself. Uh, no matter who you are, be yourself. The people that like you will outnumber the people that don't if you be yourself. And second thing, of course, keeping it simple, just be nice. If you can't be nice, be nothing for God's sake, but just be nice. Uh, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, and can the, I the other thing, you first, Tony. You continue. No, no, you go first, mate. Go on. I'm uh, just going to come yeah. out with another cliche or something, so you might as well ask an interesting question. Go on. When we talk about people, Tony, you your career uh, span in different industry from politics, business, non profit organization, 
and now uh, you are 70 years old young and you say people is are the most important thing in anything business non-business because we are people but w- the challenge of every business while we understand people are important uh, financial pressure global pressure take us to a different level where when you look at organization whilst we all human the topic of how to look after people and how to focus in empowering people it's not as strong as what we can do do you agree or you think ah, the world i think do, do you think it's enough of what uh, organization do for people or do you think we need to do more in general, I think, of course, not I think, about- I think in general, we, we, we've got to stop put, putting people in boxes. Uh, we've got to start, start treating people as individuals, for heaven's sake. I mean, you mentioned me. I mean, 70 years old. And, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't feel like I'm 70 years old. I mean, I, I reckon I could work for another 30 years, happily more, because uh, I don't want to die ever. Uh, no, but honestly, and but, but if you were to say to someone, oh, listen, our guest today is a 70-year-old, Guy that was born in Egypt, like that's oh God, you know what? Uh, what are we doing? Uh, we, we, if this is what the future is, uh, yeah, so you've all re- automatically put someone in a box by saying that sort of thing. So when, when when I when I used to hire people, I used to say to my people, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to know what their name is. I just want a CV that doesn't tell me their age or their name. So you were sure then of hiring what, in your opinion, was the best person for the position. Didn't know whether they were male or female. Old or young, black or white, Asian or Caucasian, whatever, just the best person. So, again, it's not not rocket science. Treat people as individuals. Don't put them in boxes, and then see see where where you go from there. Make them feel important, and they'll they'll make you feel important back. Wow, that's a great tip, isn't it? With the resumes, just take it mm. all off and just judge it by skill set and everything else that's written there. That's fantastic. Yep. Tony, this passion that you talk about, do you think it's very contagious, but is it something that you think uh, people can learn? Is passion something that you can just go, you know, I want to be like Tony, I've watched him on Leader Talk, he is incredible. Can business owners out there actually learn this? (sighs) Yes and no. My, My gut feel is no, you can't learn. You've either got it or you haven't. Uh, you can perhaps try and nurture what it, it better than if you haven't got it. But you look at you know look at people like Gus for example. He's he's smiling all the time. I'm not saying this because he's on on camera because I've known him for a long time. But that's what makes passionate people come together. Uh, and as I said to you, if you can surround yourself with people that have got the same passion, and you you said the word it's infectious. And you'll yeah. probably find that uh, when you when you're around a passionate person, it does infect. In that doesn't factor. So you become a bit more passionate than you normally are because you're around uh, passionate people. Now, again, uh, very, very, very easy for me to be passionate. I'm Italian, for God's sake. Say no more. But uh, you know, here am I moving my hands and what have you. But no, no. But seriously, you you can't learn it. You can you can slowly learn how to become a bit more passionate than you are. But it's one of those things where you say, listen, you, you either got it or you haven't. Some some are more passionate than others. But as I said, uh, uh, I've got uh, lots lots of things that I'm probably worse off than 
anybody else. But passion is something that uh, I, I, I'm told I've got. So, uh, but again, I, I don't I don't realise that I'm passionate. I'm just me. Just be yourself, as I said. Can I ask you then, what is the characteristic of a passionate people? Because you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, "Gus, how can you always maintain your energy? How can?" Uh, well, I said I'm not passionate. I'm just hyperactive, maybe, right? But if you have to describe, like, if passion is an animal, just to bring it to the animal kingdom, how do you hmm. describe passion? Is that any color? Is there any specific thing? How do we? How do you? Uh, can acquired people be passionate? Can acquired business owner describe as a passionate business owner while he's not necessarily talking? Yeah, I, I think uh, if persistence and passion is something I, I link together too. I mean, you can be very persistent in what you're doing, notwithstanding what's happening around you. Well, to me, that's 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 being passionate. Perhaps a, a lot more, not as demonstrative as you and I are from time to time. But uh, that, that's what I mean by passion. Persistence is something else that's uh, very important as well. And you'll only be persistent, by the way, if you're passionate, whether it's demonstrative like you and I, Gus, or non-demonstrative. If, you, if you're persistent, the passion will, will shine through. It will shine through. And, of course, and, and, Natalie, you mentioned the fact that small businesses around the world, for God's sake, we've had COVID, we've had, you know, global financial crises, we've had all sorts of things. And yet you find that, that we continue to survive, small business continues to survive because of the people that are in those businesses. And again, uh, make sure you get people in, in your business that are as passionate and committed. So commitment is another, another strong word I use to what you're doing. So stick to your knitting. Don't do stuff that uh, you're not good at, but be innovative in what you do when you can be innovative. Because again, if uh, it puts you one step ahead of someone else. Oh, that's great. And and this still staying on passion because I think it's such a great topic. Is there a way or do you have any tricks for actually keeping passion alive? Because I mean you come there's challenges, you know, you're faced with challenges every day. Is there any tips or tricks that you can offer everyone? Follow, your gut, follow your gut for a start. Uh, make sure well listen, my, my dad used to say to me, listen, you've got two ears and one mouth. As long as they uh, operate proportionately, you'll do well because, uh, you know, if you're prepared to listen and on, only only give your opinion when you're asked, but if you are asked to give your opinion, do it passionately and do it, uh, you know, b- be yourself when you're doing it. But uh, be a good listener. Uh, only talk when you need to, but when you do talk, do it well, do it passionately because it's uh, it's infectious, as you said before. Great. And, you know, um, obviously I mentioned before leaders have challenges. Would love to know, are you okay to share one of a, a, a challenge that you experienced as a leader and perhaps how you overcame that? Because as we mentioned before, there are challenges we're faced with every day, every day, whether it's economic, you know, the pandemic, you know, we're facing it, whether you're a small, medium, large business owner, even a person in general. Is well, a, couple, a couple of things. I mean, we, we, as I said before, my front little lobotomy and I, when, when we became a politician, we, we won government at one stage, but we were dependent on a couple of independents to survive the machinations of politics. And it, uh, the, the word I use there is uh, pragmatism and um, compromise. So, again, in, in any successful business, you've got to be pragmatic. Uh, 
in the political sense. And the other thing I've learned too about uh, the politics, for example, is no matter who you vote for, you always end up with a politician. Now, if you keep, if you stop and think about that, you think, well, okay, uh, that means that uh, if there's a horse in a race called self-interest, back it because it'll run well. It'll give it'll give its best. But no matter who you vote for, you always end up with a politician. Keeping that in mind, uh, politicians are people as well. Make someone that's in a minority feel important because they're then more likely to listen to what you've got to say to them if they if you make them feel important. And again. Uh, not surprisingly, you're more able to be a, a little bit more persuasive than you would have been if you don't make them feel important. And again, I mean, I've, I've had experiences where prime ministers have lost their positions because uh, they've been too arrogant and too uh, dismissive of, of other people. And it happens in politics, it happens in business, and it happens elsewhere as well. You know, and uh, as I said, the, the UDIA example, here am I, I've come uh, three years in Milan, into Melbourne, I'm of ethnic origin, and I'm uh, picked to lead a industry that is dominated by white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males. Um, first thing I did is, you know, we, we you, you think to yourself, human nature says that uh, some men like women, or most men like women, uh, most women like men. Uh, so let's get some more females involved in the UDIA industry sort, sort of situation. And surprise, surprise. Membership went from, I think, 90 members, Gus will recall, to about 347 members because we had people within the community that mix within the community, naturally, coming and mixing in a, in a business situation. And that, that wasn't rocket science. People said, oh, God, you're, you're a genius. You've increased the membership. Now, I used to increase the membership by going door to door, knocking on a door saying, do you want to join UDIA? You should be joining UDIA. We, we're a great group. We're a family. And as I said, Gus will tell you that, uh, you know, the membership grew and grew and grew. Bottom line, without being, being, being all about people, the one-to-one. -one. I've really missed the, the, the people connection under COVID. I mean, I hate doing meetings by Zoom, Moom, Microsoft, Teams, whatever it is, because if you're a people person and if you're passionate, you want to display that, that passion one-to-one -one with people in a room, not over a screen. So I'm looking forward now, uh, God forbidding and borders forbidding, to be able to get together with people and say, g'day, here I am, and let's, uh, let's come to the outcome by, uh, you know, by doing it together. I'm rambling, but, you know, that's... Uh, that... Can I just say your passion is still clear on screen as well, so it's still coming across, but I'm is sure... Oh, I... okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's fantastic. And... Obviously, as a leader, I wanted to touch on um, mentors as well, if we can. Can you, because we, we've touched before on Leader Talk about the importance of mentors. And as a leader, do you have a mentor or someone that you look up to? I've got a couple. Uh, I mean, my oldest son, I'd consider a mentor to me because I, I was involved a few years ago. There was some uh, allegations made on the front page of a, 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 a local newspaper here in Melbourne about the fact that, uh, you know, I was uh, linked with uh, or allegedly linked to be uh, a mafia boss in, in Melbourne. And uh, it, I sort of took it hard because you think, well, that's not the sort of stuff you want to read about uh, in the front page of a newspaper. And my, my son flew down from Sydney and said, Dad, you've got to sit down, just be calm, I'll handle this. And I thought, hold on, here, here is my eldest son mentoring his, his old man. And, and he said, well, listen, I, I, I'm only doing what you taught me to do. 
through life. And I thought, hey, and I st- stood back and said, oh, listen, I, I didn't go out of my way to try and teach him anything. I was just his, just his dad. So so he, my, my eldest son is someone that I mentor. Um, you know, you there's other people around you. I mean, p- politically, uh, guys like John Howard and Paul Keating. I mean, I used to get on really, really well, not notwithstanding my political differences, was Paul Keating because he was he was a great human being. You'd walk down the street and you'd say, oh, g'day, how are you, mate? How's your wife and kids? Whatever. Different persona when he was in Parliament, obviously. And as I said, you know, uh, uh, no matter who you vote for, you always end up with a politician. But uh, he was passionate in what he did. John Howard, in a different way, uh, was cool, calm, collected, but ruthless in terms of when he was a politician, but a great great person when he wasn't. And there's there's a number of people in that. I mean, even the the, uh, the construction industry, Gus will tell you, there's some people that stood out. I mean, there was there's the late and great Eddie Sanfilippo, who what you saw was what you got, but was a ruthless, tough, but honest business person. So they're the sort of people that you, that I look up to as well. Um, another another person, and then keeping it into the political thing, Julia Gillard. I mean, when, when you think of someone like Julia Gillard, there's ex-prime ministers that cannot help themselves. They want to be in the news every day of the week, whereas Julia Gillard, again, will only say something when she's asked but doesn't. Yeah, She's an ex-politician doing something else. There's more to life than politics. Uh, she does that. So they're, they're the sorts of people that I look up to, I must, I must say. You know what I learned? And from Gus. This? And Gus. Thank you, Tony. Well, Gus, you look up to Tony as well, correct? So it's kind yes. of a... Yeah. 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 Uh, one thing that I really like about how Tony responds, and I think this is related to many small and medium business. When we talk about mentor, it sounds expensive. I personally have my personal coach, business coach, for the last two decades uh, that, you know, even this morning, you know, I got a note from her, um, uh, you know, Graciela, which is, you know, one of our guests, uh, you know, about how I should uh, perform better. And, uh, and, and yet a lot of people thinking when we're talking about mentor, it's expensive. It needs to be professional. It's not. Tony just mentioned he learned mm-hmm. from his son. He can learn from his colleagues. He can learn from the, the the community. He can. We can learn from everyone. And I think the question is not so much about do you have a twenty four hours mentor. The question should be: Do you choose to learn from someone else and be open minded, so you can be better than yesterday? Which is what Emily Cherry, the Olympian, said. You know, it's not about beating others. It's about better than yesterday, and you can be better by even listening to this i I can remember once i I had a friend of mine who was uh, an ex-colonel in the pakistani military uh just yeah an an amazing he's an engineer gus like you is an engineer is a professor of engineering and he used to come out with the most um, amazing simple statements like like why kill with poison when you can use honey now if you think of that in a business sense you need to make some tough decisions but you can make those tough decisions, but by doing them, doing them nicely as well. Uh, I mean, I've I've had to restructure organisations and re- restructure things. And you think uh, if you do it with compassion, there's that passion bit again. If you do it with compassion, and if if you do it legally, and if you do it nicely, although the decision that needs to be taken is a tough decision, if it's done the proper way, thinking of the person involved in that 
decision that you're going to make. Once again, make them feel important, notwithstanding the fact that it might be bad news that you're giving them. Uh, it helps along the way as well. So, again, treat people the way you want to be treated yourself, whether it's in a business, small business sense, large business sense, whether it's on the sporting field, in the political area, anywhere else that you're involved in. Just be yourself and treat people nicely, and you'll find that most people will treat you back nicely. The ones that don't, just cut away and forget about them. Such a clear message. I love that. I've never heard that before. So why kill with poison when you can do so with honey? Yep. That. Simple, so but, uh, simple, but yeah. very clear. If you think of it yeah. philosophically, and, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And, and, and you know, Tony, you've you've obviously had an incredible career, or you have an incredible career. Is there something you wish someone had told you along your journey that you can actually share with everyone listening today that you've experienced? Yeah, in fact, I I, I wrote it down. It's. Uh, Learn and know who you trust, who you can trust. Because uh, from time to time, I, I've taken, I've, I've been a softy when I shouldn't have been as soft as I am because everybody yearns to be liked. Whether they admit it or not, we all need to be liked by someone, lots of people, and sometimes that yearning to be liked clouds your thought as, be, as, as you assume that everyone is as nice as what you think you are. And sometimes they're not. So my the lesson I've learned is trust your gut because sometimes your gut tells you there's something wrong here that why are people being so nice to me? I can recall being, being when I was a politician, many people wanted to be nice to you if you're in a politician where you've, you're able to make decisions that might, might affect them usually positively. Um, don't be fooled, whether you're in small business or large business or in politics, Assume nobody, not 100% of the people you run into are going to like you and not 100% of the people uh, you run into you can trust. Learn how to know when to trust and when not to trust. Easy to say, hard to do, but you'll learn through your mistakes. You know, I mean, I've made a number of mistakes by trusting people too much that I shouldn't have. So uh, if someone can come back to me and say, oh, listen, had, had you have not done that, 20 years ago, this wouldn't have happened. But then again, if you're going to – so learn – in other words, learn by your mistakes. Learn how to trust people. And if you treat them nicely uh, and surprise them by treating them nicely, uh, you, you just, just just watch what the reaction is. Just watch what the reaction is. When you, when you use that statement, why kill with poison, when you can use honey, just observe the reaction because it's surprising how many people are so surprised when they're treated nicely. Uh, Tony, can I just ask, and uh, I want to be a devil advocate a little bit on my question here. Uh, so what you say is uh, learn and know who you trust and really use your gut or your common sense because in reality, life presented with people that will take advantage of you. Hmm. However, at the same time, if we are in business, we do not have 20 years to know someone uh, to trust someone because, you know, on day one we employ someone or on day one we engage with someone, uh, you know, we hope that the trust level are happening very, very fast. So I tend to believe, so this is, I tend to believe, like what you said, give honey first, give our trust first and see the reaction and 
you know, if the minute the reaction is negatively happened, then of course the trust is bright. But how do you manage uh, your message here? Because I want to make sure that the audience do not take it out of context because I know who you are. You you trust me on the minute you saw me. So so that's who you are. But at the same time, you say, learn and know who you trust because not a lot of, not everyone will give their trust back equally. But how do you balance that, Tony? For the people that listening to this, that suddenly maybe, oh, maybe I can't trust everyone that I see. Yet, you know, if we do that, uh, the movement will become very slow. How do How do we balance that? Well, uh, my, my view on that, mate, is, as I said before, you've got to surround yourself with people that are better at doing things that you're not good at, right? So yep. that's point number one. Yep. Once you give those people responsibility uh, and and give them trust to say, I, I trust you to do this work for me because I can't, I'm not good at this area. I know you are and it's up to you now to do it for me you're doing it on on behalf of me as well because I'm, you know, uh, and then then see what the reaction is. And if you've got that passion that we talked about before, that is infectious, it's only those people that uh, imbibe that infection that are infected by your passion. Then you know you can trust them because a ninety nine percent out of a hundred that tr- that that's going to give them loyalty to you. And loyalty to the job at hand, and you'll then know whether you can trust them, whether you can't trust them. And in times of hardship, that in times of hardship, your true friends will shine. Uh, success has got many parents. <laughs> uh, su- success, as I said, and another one of those great sayings: success, yeah. success has got many parents. Uh, non-success is an orphan. So if you're successful, you'll have lots of friends, mate. As soon as you don't succeed in something, people will leave you at 100 miles an hour. But it's it's the people that stay with you when you're in trouble that you can trust. And the more people you've made feel important, the more they will stick with you in times when times are tough. And I've learnt that twice in in my lifetime, uh, and it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, once you know who your true friends are, you're a happy person. You really are. Such a Mind powerful. You've got more than one. Look, Tony, you mentioned before about making mistakes, and you know, as uh, as leaders, we make mistakes all the time. No one is perfect, and even people in general don't have to be a leader. Do you have any tips for actually acknowledging these mistakes and moving on? Because sometimes it is quite hard. You know, you ponder a lot about these mistakes. We. We make them, as I said, no one is perfect, but it's sometimes hard to pick up and, you know, be resilient and keep moving on. Do you have any tips for listeners out there on how to Maybe maybe I also add, especially for our small business owner, a mistake can be fundamentally challenge our position to actually readjust. You know, I always make a, uh, you know, I'm I'm a small bakery. Uh, you know, and I have one staff, which is Natalie. We work together, Natalie, in the uh, in the counter, and I'm doing the bakery. And you know, one day I make a decision that uh, I want my uh, you know bakery to sell non-halal meat or you know uh, contain uh, pork, for example. Yet I forgot that I live in the community where 99% is unable to eat non-halal meat, for example, and 
that's a fundamental mistake because then I lose my initial money buying many kilograms of meat, for example. Now, how do you how do you how do you recover from that kind of mistake that impacts small business? For well, go, go, go and sell the meat that you've got somewhere else that are meat eaters for a start. And secondly, don't make that same mistake again. I mean, honestly, that's it's as you know, and that's that's the that's the innovative stuff that I talk about. You know? um, how do you, I mean? I, I use the example of the UDIA increase in membership. But gee, simple. I mean, Gus, you'll recall we, we created a women in property. We created yes. a young people's group, and then we got a, got them all together. And guess what? The women learnt from the non-women and the young guys learnt from the older guys and the older guys learnt from the younger... And all of a sudden we had a team and we called... I mean, we remember, we used to call it a family of uh, 500 people at a, at a function. We used to call the family. And that was the, that was the way UDIA started to develop its, uh, its, its, uh, its tentacles out into the community, for heaven's sake, by being a friendly group of people that used to love coming together once a month on a Friday afternoon at Crown Casino in Melbourne and we'd have more people downstairs in the bar after the after the function than we had sometimes at the function because they'd actually do business over a drink on a Friday afternoon and Gus will tell you he sold yeah. lots of lots of bloody building yeah. products on a Friday afternoon over a drink and he doesn't drink. He, you know, <laughs> he has an occasional glass of red wine but, uh, you know, but, but it's, it's again, it's all about people for heaven's sake uh, and that's why... I'm looking forward to after this COVID thing of getting people back together again. So if you're out there uh, like I am now with a pair of trackies and a, and a shirt on, get together, take the trackies off, get dressed up, bring people together, go back into the city if you've got an office in the city. Don't believe this fact about staying home and working from home. You need to have that people mixing thing because it makes it better. I heard this morning, for example, that the divorce rate is skyrocketing uh, over this pandemic situation. And it's because people have stayed together so long that, of course, you get on each other's nerves. It's just human nature, for heaven's sake. So get out and about, mix with people, because it's people that makes us feel and look younger, like Gus. I mean, Gus is, Gus, Gus is probably 65 years old. He looks like he's about 18. Look at him. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, thank you, Tony. Hey, you know, I told you to start drinking Chinese ginseng. You know that thing. You know, like uh, I, know, I couldn't even pronounce that. it, mate. Wouldn't drink it cheaper. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, can I just come back to uh, to what you said? Back to Natalie questions. How do we recover from mistake? What you said is it's so innovative that it's actually just go back up and repeat. Don't make the same mistake, right? So, so, so I think this is something. A lot of things that we learn from great leaders is not rocket science. There is no technique. There is no, um, uh, you know, recipe. You just have to be quick. You have to be getting back up and don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, common sense for heaven's sake. I mean, you know, um, I can recall when I did my first Institute of Company Directors course and I sat there for five days and it cost the people that were paying for it lots of money. And at the end of the day, I said, hold on, it's what I've been doing for the past 25 years. It might have different words to it. Treat people nicely. Do things uh, as the law prescribes you to do things. Um, don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, make sure that the people doing stuff that you're not good at are better at it than you are. Um, 
look look after the people around you because that's going to make them more productive in terms of what you want them to do. Now, you, you, you can learn it out of a textbook or if you learn it by experience and having done it, it is so much better. Let me tell you, it's so much better. Okay. So, again, Body. you said before that you've got a mentor that – uh, yeah. Professional mentor. I haven't got. A, I've never had a professional mentor in my life. Didn't even know what a bloody what a mentor was for heaven's sake. Uh, I I just uh, take advice from the people that I think can give good advice. Now, whether they're younger than you, older than you, as I said, black or white or whatever, doesn't matter. Or whether they're plumbers or brain surgeons, uh, if they give good advice and it's common sense advice, and if they're nice people, trust them. Hey Tony, uh, I have uh, we have a, a a great supporter of our uh, leader talk. Uh, his name is Max Garcia. I'm uh, I'm sure you watch uh, our leader talk with him. Max is a retired uh, Sergeant Meyer of U.S. Marine that now, after met his uh, lovely wife in Sydney, now live in Sydney. He just put a comment here. And uh, by the way, Tony, can you say hi to Max? Max is watching you live. G'day, Max. How are, what what part of the United States is he from? Um, that one I need to check with him. I'm not quite sure where Max, he is. Been, Max, if, you, if you're listening, Max, uh, Tony just asked you uh, which part of United States you come from. But this is what Max wrote, Tony. Uh, uh, he's from San Diego. He's from San no, Diego, Tony. No, I've been, yeah, I've been to San Diego. I've been to the United States a number of times. Tell him I'm, I'm a great fan of both blues music and country and Western music, of all things as well. And I've been to Nashville, Tennessee, and I've been to uh, Clarksville, Mississippi, where the blues was born. <laughs> so uh, I, I appreciate things uh, coming out of the United States. Yeah. Right. Now, this is what Max saying. Uh, his life. He's actually listening and watching you right now. Uh, yes, people need people, and people need to get up and move sitting at home and a lack of movement and less human interaction causes health problem too. He also said, remember our conversation, Gus, it's not how bad you screw up, but how good you recover. And that's coming back to the question of Natalie. Uh, when you screw up, there is no rocket science. You need to go back up. Unfortunately, persistence matter. Nobody's uh, perfect. Unfortunately. Fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's perfect, mate. Listen, um, I can remember once uh, being asked a question without notice in Parliament when I was a minister, and I stood up and I said, oh, listen, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in fact, uh, I recall that uh, I think I said you were wrong the other day, but I think you're right, actually. Uh, thank you for bringing it to, to my attention. I made a mistake. I'm terribly sorry and sat down. Now, to me, it was the right thing to do. But when you think of it on, on, on a political base, is a, it avoided all sorts of argy-bargy over something that you know, always admit that you're wrong if you know you are wrong and just move on. Just move on. Yeah? Just yeah. move on. Yeah. It's Good. a great message. And, and, Gus, you just touched on persistence, and I want to kind of steer the direction there because we've spoken about you know, we said there's two key elements that leaders and organisations can hold on to during these times, which are passion and persistence. We've spoken about passion. If we take it to the angle of persistence, Tony, what do you think are the characteristics of an actual persistent leader? Well, it depends on whether the persistence is positive or negative. Now, for example, to me, persistence yeah. is persistence is if you know you are right because you've done all your research and you've had it, everyone tell you that what the path that you're taking is the right passage be persistent because in my view and my experience it'll 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 work out fine 
if you continue to be persistent, as long as you've ticked all the boxes in turn, do your research, uh, make sure that the product or service that you're selling is the right thing for the person that you're selling it to, uh, be persistent as long as you tick all those boxes around. Again, it's not rocket science. Uh, you know, um, keep it simple. Uh, tr- be persuasive. You're persuasive if you are in yourself rooted to what you're trying to be persuasive about. If you stick to your knitting, if you know what your knitting is, uh, you'll be persuasive because you've got the passion for what you're trying to do. Uh, Again, it's not rocket science. And you know what's the good news to the audience? Two weeks from now, we have a world best persuasive master, Michelle Bowden. Uh, She's actually a known author of uh, of best-selling books, Uh, and she's a persuasive. Uh, and Tony, just like what you said, you know, our ability to persuade, our ability to be persistent, uh, it's matter. And you know what I learned as well? Uh, persistence actually create a lot of friends. You know, people that is having a lot of trouble in the way they want to move forward, uh, sometimes they, uh, they give up too easily. And what happened is, Uh, people around them don't appreciate that. People that persist create a better story because by nature, this is what I believe, everyone want to do a good thing in the morning. If, when everyone wake up, want to do a good thing in, in many, many instances. Now, if you see people that persist, most people will help you. That, that's what I always believe, all the time. Gus, P-cubed, P- P- if you're passionate and persistent, you'll be persuasive. Now, think about that again. If you're passionate in what you're saying, if you persist in what you're saying because you're so passionate about it, you'll be persuasive, especially if you've got the professional uh, information behind you that enables you to be passionate and persistent about something. Uh, Again, you know, uh, to me it's not. uh, And the other point you make too is, and it's something I've learned from a, a, a guy that some will know, former Premier of Victoria, a guy called Jeff Kennett. Now, Jeff, I heard Jeff, uh, and he, he was talking as uh, a then chairman of Beyond Blue for mental mental illness for people. And he said to me, the first thing you need to do if you wake up in the morning is just say thanks to God that, you, that you've woken up and then treat your day as if perhaps it may be your last. So enjoy your day. When, pe- when you say to people, enjoy your day, mean it. Don't yeah. say it because it's the right thing to say, but mean it. And, again, that's be, be yourself because pe- people know. I mean, I know when I go to a shop and I buy and say, oh, thank you, have a good day. You know that that's not meant because that, that was on the list. Yeah, th- th- these are the things one must say. So, Gus, uh, I know you're smart because, I mean, I've always been just be yourself. Say what you really believe, do it passionately, and it'll come through. But if you read it off a piece of paper, it, the passion won't come through. Tony, talking about this um, persistence, you know, how can leaders out there or business owners out there keep persistent if they keep having all these challenges coming their way? Is there any advice that you would have? Because, you know, it's kind of... It's a simple, yeah, yeah. Tony, it's a simple question, but it is actually true. Yeah. I mean, so, I got yeah. friends that owning a barber shop. The last two years in Melbourne, it, this is yeah. what he said to me. So I had the, the first haircut the minute we were open. A few weeks ago, I met Darren, and this is what Darren said. You know, guys, a lot of my friends said to me how lucky I am as a 
uh, owning a barbershop because now people queuing, not they known for 200 days, I can't make money and I, I can't remake the money because I literally lost 200 days. Now, when I listen to that, I keep asking, if I'm in the same position, how can I persist on this? So simple question and real question for small business owner. Well, obviously you're a barber friend, and by, by God, you, you, you're, I had a haircut last week too, believe it or not. And by the way, just just as an aside, another <laughs> another joke. But I think mine was uh, thirty five bucks, five bucks for the haircut, and thirty dollars searching fee. But uh, you know, no, but no, sincerely, it's barber shops. Yeah, um, obviously, he loves what he does. Uh, loves what he does. Uh, persistent because. Let's be honest, uh, there's a lot of people were helped by job keeper, job seeker, job, yeah. everything that was going on as well. Um, and I've, I've got to say, I said before that, and I'm glad that your, our mate from the from the United States now living in Sydney agrees, we've got to get people back together as people, mixing with people, because uh, there's, a, there's a tendency of some to sit back and say, oh, listen, I'm getting all this money sitting at home to, uh, you know, do nothing or whatever. Uh, we've got to get back together as people because that'll help your barber. It'll help all the other small businesses around the town by just people being people again. Uh, that's the thing I've missed is people being people. I mean, we, 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 I live in Melbourne. We were let out last week, and I still feel strange going into the city, for example, seeing all these people around me because for the past 263 days, I've been locked up uh, from 9 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning. And you get used to that sort of lifestyle. You get loose to sleeping in a bit more than you normally do. Uh, you know, when you've walked around Faulkner Park like I do for the for 265 times, you actually know how many trees there are and what they look like. Um, and you, the thing I've missed is that person-to-person -person contact. Now, that's me. Perhaps others enjoy staying home, not mixing with people. So be it if that's what you enjoy. But to me, uh, they say that love makes the world go around. And I disagree. I think people make the world go around, and I said uh, all people make the world go around. People's is important. People make you passionate. Uh, that's what makes me tick. People make me tick. Uh, passion makes me persistent. Persistent makes me persuasive, and uh, that's the way I am, and that's that works. I think of whether you're an individual, small business, a large business, sporting organisation, whatever it is, people matter. They really do. Such a clear and very strong message. I'm looking at the time, Tony, but I want to ask you something about work-life balance because you do manage a lot. I mean, you're on the uh, chair of many boards. You're also a board member. You obviously juggle a lot. How important is work-life balance, you think, for everyone out there and everyone listening? Because we could be working all the time, especially in this lockdown. I'm glad, you know, we're getting out of it. But it's it blurs the line between work and you know, personal well-being. So what... Well, again, it, depend, it depends on what your interests are. I mean, I, I've got very limited interests and I, I enjoy James Bond movies. I enjoy watching the race horses, although I don't back them. I only back the horses on Melbourne Cup Day and I back the winner, by the way, so that's, that's a good omen. Did you back the winner? Uh, oh. I did, yeah, yeah. Very, very elegant, yeah, very elegant. Just back. And the, the gut told me to back very elegant, so I followed the gut and it, it's right, it was right this time. No, but... Um, You've got to have that work-life balance. I mean, I love to cook. Uh, I love uh, love my Italian wines. Uh, I'm passionate about the Collingwood Footy Club when they're playing footy. Uh, I enjoy the cricket. Uh, we go to the to the ballet. 
so have interests outside that. But uh, to me, if if you if you're working in an area that you're passionate about, to me, you've got the balance. Honestly, you've got the balance. I mean, I could work twenty four seven in the things I do because I love what I do. I mean, I, I go from small goods. Abalone, which I don't like to eat, but I chair the Abalone Central Zone of Victoria. Uh, I've had an abalone once in my life and wouldn't wouldn't give you two bob for it, but there are millions of Chinese that love it, so there you go. Um, I, and I go from housing to development, and I was on I was on the board of Paran Market, uh, so it's it's varied. It keeps me young because I've got my brain working in all different directions, and I enjoy it. And again, let me stress again, all those things I'm involved with involve people. They involve people. And uh, people are uh, amazing things. People are amazing things. And the more we can get on with as many people as we can, the better we are. And this is the thing about work-life balance that I also take. Uh, you know, I witness a lot of question about work-life balance. But what's different too, when I spoke to successful leaders. Uh, and when I call successful leaders, I'm not talking about title. Uh, I'm talking about leadership as a totality of a human being and uh, and how they run their life. Uh, they hardly talk about work-life balance. They talk about interest. So Tony didn't say work-life balance means that we have to work for 10 hours and we have to sleep for 10 hours. Tony talked about go your hardest, be persistent and passionate, and make sure you look after your interests if it's cooking, if it's swimming, if it's your sports, even the thing, because it's all interlinked. The question that always raised about work-life balance, even, even when I'm in business, it's come from the people that have a high goals. So they want to be something really, really high. They want to climb Mount Everest, but they're asking how many hours they need to sleep. Like if, yeah. if I always say to people, hey, if you want to, climb Mount Everest uh, and you give yourself two weeks, then you you have no balance. I remember I interviewed a guy. Uh, this is when I was at James Hardy. I interviewed a young guy and he said to me, uh, I said to him, hey, uh, I can't remember his name, Johnny. Uh, tell me what's your dreams in the next five years? And he said, well, I really want to be the CEO of this company. And back then the CEO earned $20 million dollars. Per annum, right? And I said to him, in five years, uh, can I ask you something, Johnny? Do you have a girlfriend? And he said, yes. How often you see her? Three times a week. Well, what would you think if I said that you will never be able to see your girlfriend for the next five years? If you are right now 25 years old and you want to be a CEO of a company in that size in five years, you might get lucky, but I don't think so. And he said, Nana. I need balance. I need to see my girlfriend. Now, that's a problem about work-life balance and goals. And also, I mean, leadership comes to mind. And uh, again, Gus, uh, whether there's a group of 10 people or 10,000 people, there's only one leader, okay? So not everybody can be a leader. So the first thing you've got to do within yourself is say to yourself, will I ever make a good leader? Because sometimes it's better being a good follower than a bad leader, and sometimes it's better being a bad follower and a good leader. So you know, uh, a lead. Not not everybody is destined to be a leader. 
So the first thing, and I know it might be tough for people to, to uh, comprehend, you, you may not, in fact, be a good leader. You may be a magnificent follower, and every leader needs followers. There are more followers than leaders, so that's how important followers are. And again, it comes back to that making people feel important because, A, they are important, number one, and, B, you need them to feel important because if you are a good leader, that's what, to, to me, is one of the greatest traits of good leaders, making people below you, around you, feel as important, if not more important than what you are, in the roles they have. That's great. And, Tony, you know, you've shared so many great things, and but I will – this. One thing that I will take away, and I will never forget, it's almost like three Ps, passion, persistence, people. It's all like they work hand in hand, and every discussion we've just had, it's a very common theme, and they're the three things that I think just keep coming up. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I'd change it around. It, it's it's people that make me passionate, and it's my passion that makes me persistent, and that persistence makes it makes me persuasive back to the people that you want to be persuasive to, and that gives you more passion. To, it's, a, it's a circle going around. So P, 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 P all the time. And pragmatism as well. So there's five Ps. Four Ps. Yep. Fantastic. All in the one pod and you've, 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 uh, you've got what it takes. Success. Yeah. We've got success. Yeah. That's great. Look, I'm looking at time. We have gone over time, Gus. I'm going to hand it over to you to do a wrap-up of the show. Thank you. Uh, so, Tony, once again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you are a great leader. You are a great friend. Uh, and you are such an amazing human being. Uh, leaders that is always in favor of people. Uh, you know, you don't try to make it any anything else. It's all about people, people, people. And uh, we, as the host of Leader Talk, really, really glad to bring your insight to the world. Now, this is what I learned from you. Uh, I actually wrote so many notes, but then... I want to make it the simplest summary that I take from today. Why kill with poison if you can do it so with honey? As what I take from that, if you're able to persuade people positively, you will change the world. Tony, thank you so much for your time today. We, on behalf of Leader Talk, Great to have you, and I hope the audience, small, medium business all over the world, can learn from your insight. You are 27 years old, Tony D. Domenico. <laughs> well, Natalie and Gus, it's been it's been a pleasure, and I hope I've been uh, of some use to uh, what 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 you do. Uh, hat off to what you do. It's a great great concept, Natalie and, and Gus. Uh, fantastic. Keep smiling, Gus. Natalie, uh, if I'm in Sydney, I'll give you a buzz. We'll catch up for coffee or something near, near, near your office here that. in Australia Square. And uh, g'day to my American uh, friend who I've never seen. So Max, uh, His name is Max, Max Garcia. Max Garcia. So that's got he's got that Spanish uh, Latino background uh, from San Diego and California. And good on you, Max. And I hope to catch up with you too sometime. Hey, Tony, knowing you, I think you will say Max is actually originally from Italy as well because you say that everyone originally come from Italy. Well, that, no, no, I can't. I, listen, the Garcia, mate, I've got to take my hat off to the Spanish Latino background there. There's not, not many Garcias in, in Italy, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no matter, he's, a, he, he's, he's Latin, right? So he's Latin. So he'll have a lot of passion, I hope. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank and thank you so much for your time, Tony. And Pleasure. thank you 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, for more information on Leader Talk and for some great resources to help your business grow, check out brainiac.com.au. Bye, everyone. Leader Talk. 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 Leader Talk.